0: Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. In the name of Allah, most gracious, ever merciful. Good afternoon, welcome. Assalamu alaikum. And may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. <clears throat> from the Monday afternoon drive time show, from myself, Kayyum, and joining me is brother Imran. And joining us today uh, remotely is Imam Safir. Good afternoon, welcome Assalamu alaikum Imam Safir and Imam Imran Thank you gentlemen, peace be on you both
1: Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh Thank you very much
0: As always we are here with two topics um, Two interesting topics Two topics which um, hit us um, in our in our everyday lives um, You know, some things hit us on a daily basis Some things hit us on an annual basis The first hour we're going to be talking about uh, books How today a reader Is tomorrow's leaders. Um, I think that's something that we were brought up on. We were always told readers are leaders. Mm -hmm. Um, For the second hour, we're going to be talking about something um, which has been in the news for the wrong reasons recently. We're going to be talking about um, the celebration of Halloween. Um, In in fact, uh, you know, uh, the right thing to do is to to is is to you know um, to reach out to all the families. and and offer our deepest condolences to all the families who have lost young children um innocent young children um in this in this uh, you know it's it's an it's it's in this tragic accident um and uh, one can only say surely we belong to allah and verily to him do we return um from voice of islam we can only and we can only say that we 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 are we share with your grief and one hopes and prays that, that God Almighty gives the families the strength and the courage to bear such uh, irreplaceable loss. And it is irreplaceable. There's nothing worse for a parent than to lose their children in their lifetimes. Um, and, and again, one um, can remember, one, one always hopes and prays uh, that, uh, you know, that, that, uh, that you have the courage to, to move on and carry on. Um, and and again, we we always say we 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 hope and pray that lessons are learnt. But that is a topic that we will be talking about in the f- second hour from five o'clock onwards. If you want to contribute to any of these uh, topics, we would love to hear from you. 02086877878 or join us uh, via our social media platforms at Voice of Islam UK, or feel free to email us via our website www.voiceofislam.co. UK, um, if I may, Brother Imran, what's the what's the what's the topic? What are we? Why are we talking about books in the first hour or so?
2: So books, um, basically, um, as you have mentioned, that uh, you know, um, today's reader, tomorrow's leader. Yep. So books um, play a very uh, crucial role in you know in, in building personality and uh, in building one's character, and uh, so. Um, it is said that few things make a house feel like a home more than a good book and perfect um, perfectly organized reading nook and if you're If you are anything like us, some of your founder's childhood memories are of reading deep into the night by the dim glow of your night light, but you'll probably also find yourself thinking you don 't make enough time to read anymore. Unbroken concentration produces more from our brains than any other cognitive state. But today, the state is getting harder to achieve. So, um, you know, today, in today's world, there are so many distractions around us that it is very hard for us to concentrate and, especially, to give uh, time to uh, read. And uh, I've just um, said that uh, books play a very important role in your character and to build up. And they build up your thinking and uh, uh, obviously enhance your character in a good way.
0: You know, you mentioned that uh, about the, the the challenge of people don't have time.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Again, maybe it's my age. Um, I think I always tend to find that's not a reason enough. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes, um, uh, sometimes people justify things which can't be justified. Sometimes excuses turn into reasons. Um, Imam Safir, if I may ask, we are talking about books. The word read is very significant in Islam, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head there when you uh, mentioned that word. Uh, because, yeah, that comes to our mind uh, when we talk about uh, reading. Um, for for us as Muslims, um, reading is very important. And just to pick up on what Imran, uh, Brother Imran was saying earlier as well, that you know, today, today's age and, and people today, young people today I don't know, maybe to a degree also, you know, people who are um, in you know, uh, in the mid-30s thir- or even... The, know, old, I mean, the, I inclu- the older yeah. generation. yeah, Yes, yes. So I include them as well and include myself as well that maybe we are not paying as much attention to this uh, important uh, aspect of our uh, learning. Hmm. So often people get busy in life and um, they, they they don't prioritize reading uh, but of course you know for us as Muslims uh, reading is very very important because as you said the, the word Iqra which means read um, is actually the start of the very first chapters chapter that was revealed on the Holy Prophet of Islam uh, Prophet Muhammad peace and blessings of Allah be upon him 1400 years ago and obviously I'm not saying that Islam is the religion that introduced reading or introduced um you know that because over the long history of religions different you know uh, guidance from god came and some of it was put in writing and then lost and some of it you know we find traces of but the quran in itself is quran means uh, the word quran means something that is often recited mm. and very much recited so for us as muslims we have to um to to not only pay respect to the quran quran is not just a uh, holy book for us, but it's something that we should read every day. So, so that is the importance. I think it starts there, and then with with everything, um, you you should we should always try to read more books.
0: Yeah. You, you, Imam Zulfir, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, you know, Islam is not the first religion, but the importance and the significance of reading every day is important, isn't it?
1: Yeah, very important. I mean, do you mean? reading the Quran every day or just... Of
0: of course, Quran, because the the, the reason I ask, because as Muslims, the ultimate guidance that we get in how we live our lives is from the Holy Quran, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have to read the Quran. uh, We have to try to read the Quran every day because parts of the Quran, we are already uh, reciting every day in our prayers. Um, But but the words of Allah, which is the Holy Quran... um, the blessings of reading it, plus when we are reading it, we are when we are reciting it, um, we're also gaining knowledge and wisdom, and blessings, or you know, as a bonus from Allah Allah the Almighty, and then also we are increasing ourselves in uh, in in particularly uh, spiritual knowledge, which is uh, you know very crucial for the spiritual progress of a believer. So that is the essence of 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 reading the Holy Quran and. It's a book, it's a very, very, you can say that it's the most uh, unique book in the whole world because it's not written by a random author or or anybody who, who was a human. It, it's the words of God. So every time you read it, you will learn something new. And it has no, you know, it has no bounds of how much knowledge you can extract from, say, one word of the Holy Quran or one verse of the Holy Quran. And that's why you will find that there are so many commentaries of the Holy Quran and over the time those commentaries do also uh, you know change in in terms of you know the the events that happen uh, in the world as well so it's, it's very interesting I mean it, that could in itself be a whole different topic to discuss
0: definitely um as as Imam Zafir has has so eloquently described the, the significance of the word read there are many benefits of reading um, in Islam and education civilization reciprocal partnerships rest on the ability to read and and as imam saveer said the word read is the one is the is the is the word that was revealed to the holy prophet may peace and blessings of allah be upon him um, and and you know it's in uh, chapter 1 verse 5 it says read in the name of thy lord who created man from a clot read for your lord is most generous who teaches by means of the pen teaches man what they know not. Again, that's so clear in its in its uh, message and the guidance that God Almighty is giving to us that, you know, giving us the benefits of, of reading. Um, Brother Imran, working on on challenging activities without distraction is a differentiator today. This goes back to what you were alluding to earlier about the challenges of today's world. Can you kind of expand on that, please?
2: So, yeah, uh, so um, according to study from the University of um, Liverpool, um, respondents who describe themselves as reader were um, 10% more likely than non-reader to report um, adequate levels of self-esteem. Um, so the percentage increases to um, 18% if we only observe those who read for uh, 30 minutes a week or more. Other state about reading for 30 minutes or m- more per week included a uh, 21% higher chance to significantly increasing one's general knowledge, and people reading at least this much were 27% more likely to find it easier to start a conversation. So it reading really gets you, you know, it really helps you to make the conversation with other person and. Uh, um, when you have more knowledge and when you have um, more kind of information, then you can share and then you can, you know, make a very productive talks with each other. So, Sorry. Yep. Yeah. So in in a study of uh, 294 people, researchers discovered that uh, importance of reader, reading in senior years, people who engage in mentally stimulating activities later in life experience less cognitive decline. So it also, reading basically, it also um, helps you to maintain your mental health and uh, it gives you the experience in life you want. And, um, you know, with reading, um, it is not only beneficial for you um, as, as your mental health is um, stable with re- readings, it also helps you to um, look in a life in, in a different perspective. That you can uh, look life with you know so many different um, views, and you can also um, basically um, understand other people's what they think and what they um, have.
0: Well, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned uh, that uh, you know it, it helps us to understand what other people think as well. Let's uh, go and see what our uh, caller, uh, who has called in, who wants to join the conversation, has to say. We've got with us uh, Osama bin Ibn Zaid. Um thank you uh, Osama for calling in welcome assalamualaikum and peace be on you
3: assalamu alaikum brothers and sisters yes osama what what
0: what's uh, what's what's your opinion on on this uh, this this topic that we are discussing books uh, readers uh, our to- today's readers are tomorrow's leaders
3: okay okay uh, first of all uh, earlier, about 5 minutes 10 minutes ago
0: mm-hmm.
3: i heard uh, someone mentioning that someone has uh, his son died or something sorry so so what i said to uh, the brother mm-hmm. i said that uh, it's hard to lose a son or a daughter in dunya it is very hard it brother, is the hardest thing the we... only thing that the prophet muhammad told us about is that at the end in judgment day your son or your daughter who died at early age will come to you hold your hand and drag you to jannah so there is a big Reward in akhirah. In dunya, it's hard. Yes, but I just want to say to all my brothers and sisters, if someone, if something happened like to one of us, even to myself, we have to be patient. A sabr was ta'ainu, bi sabr was salat. Brother,
0: brother, sama. Sabr, bro-
3: sabr was salat, patience and prayer will help you
0: a lot or oh, most definitely brother summer um yes, for, brother. for for this topic for this hour we are talking yeah. about books i, I about want books. to thank you i want to thank you for 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 your opinion and for your prayer very welcome brother um, and uh you know we will be talking about this topic more in in the next hour which is actually in halloween summer. which is halloween so please do keep on listening um okay. and and thank you for taking time out and giving us a call Can
3: I just say something about reading and books? Of course you can, brother. Of course you can. First of all, first of all, we should be thankful to Allah. Why? Because we can't see him, obviously, but we can see his words. His words are written on a book. Those are words. Imagine Allah talking. So when you read the Quran, you should imagine like Allah is talking to you, isn't it?
0: Yes, of course.
3: It's it's a big blessing. So what I would say... Is reading the Quran will open your heart deeply, and if obviously Allah wants you to sort of to be closer to Him, because Inna Allah well, yawdiman yasha, ilā al mustaqim. So reading re- overall is a good thing. Of but course it is. Of course Muslims, it is. As Muslims, as Muslims, we should read the Quran, the whole Quran, the whole, Quran, the whole book, not just one verse, not Surat al-Baqarah not surah that we need oh surah yasin will do this 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 and so so to you so let's read surah yasin but it's better to read the whole quran from alhamdulillah rabbil alamin until a'udhu a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajim bismillahir rahmanir rahim qul a'udhu bi rabbinnas malikinnas ilahin nas min sharri alwaswasil khannas alladhi yuwaswisu fi sudurin nas minal jinnati wan we should read the whole quran of course Once, we should twice three times four times we need to sort of I'm not saying it's not hard to memorize it though it's not hard if you want you can people have memorized the quran in one year it took them one year some people it took them six months it depends
0: most definitely
3: reading is a good thing that's the first word that came down to muhammad that's right uh, in the revelation Uh, the uh, malik jibreel alayhi salam said iqra Iqra."
0: which means which literally for the benefit of our listeners iqra the literal meaning of the word iqra is read
3: means read Yes um, Read And and by reading You get the knowledge Of course it? By read, Because Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala Alhamdulillah He gave us brains He gave us uh, brains to think to, to, to use them To think To to analyze things Yes brother So Iqra Is the first word So that says it all Everyone should read Yes I mean yeah People read different books Yeah it's good for You know Their knowledge And stuff But the best thing to read is the the uh, Islamic uh, books, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's including including history, because we need to know the history: how Islam came to Europe, how Islam uh, went to America, how Islam went to Russia, how Islam went here and there.
0: But but we also need to read other books because, uh, brother, as yeah, as Imam course. as Imam Safir had alluded that I, reading I agree. reading is not something there were there, there are loads of religions and and thought processes and schools of uh, thoughts that came before. The Holy Prophet may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And we need to read in order to know the, the you know, the the different perspective. We need to know that perspective, of and it's it, it, it course, is. In fact, it is as important as anything of else. Course. But the Holy Quran, of course, is very different. It's it's the it's the ultimate uh, word of of God Almighty, the Creator. Subhanallah. And and you know, there is there is nothing matching that word. The way of life mm, that we absolutely live. Absolutely not. Our way of life is based on the teachings of um, of the Holy Quran, which is, um, you know, lived by the Holy Prophet. May peace and blessings of Allah be (laughs) upon him, who was who was an embodiment of of the Holy Quran itself. He was the perfect human being. Um, Absolutely. Brother Osama, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for for taking time out and and giving us giving us a call. Uh, Have a fantastic afternoon. May peace be with you, brother.
3: No problem. I always listen to this channel. It's a great channel. It's a lot of knowledge, a lot of great people. Uh, I'm sure behind the scenes there are great people doing a great job. And we, I would like to thank we, you. We try, um, brother.
0: We try We try, and we, we, we request you remember us in your prayers. Jazakallah khair. Like
3: thank Allah you so much. With with صلى mm-hmm. صلى وسلم, with
0: thank you very much. And there we had Brother Osama, um, who, um, want to, who shared his opinions on the importance of uh, why the Holy Qur'an is important, which were aired by, um, which were shared and, and aired earlier by uh, Imam Safir Zatash, who's on the line with us. Uh, Imam Safir.
1: Yeah, fantastic. I mean, uh, may Allah bless him for all the prayers that he gave us, <laughs> and obviously our team is all behind the scenes. So yeah, we will uh you know uh, no thank jazakala. you, thank you. It, and, uh, and and you thank know
0: you. thank you to to brother osama for 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 remembering us and taking time out for us, yeah, but yeah, going absolutely. back to um you know what um, you you were saying brother mm-hmm. um, imran um you know reading we we are talking about reading and we are talking about the significance of reading, but age has a lot to do with when we read, don't we Imam Safir?
1: Um, yeah yeah I mean age uh, I mean it's something that
0: needs to be done it's something that needs to be done from a young age
1: yeah yeah I think so I think that's why there's so much focus on reading from a very young age Uh, in schools as well you know I remember when I was in school um, you know there was there was uh, so much encouragement of of reading so regardless of what you want to read or what your interest is just pick up a book and start reading and uh, you know that's that's how because you know with children they are very um but their brains their are like sponges are very, yeah,
0: aren't
4: they yeah
1: like a sponge and then also they're very imaginative and uh, creative so their brain is constantly looking for imagination and, and obviously books are perfect to provide that and then with that imagination with that knowledge that feeds into their brain um you know it's, it's perfect and um, yeah that that's why it's really important i think Start uh, reading from a young age uh, for for the children, and then continue that uh, throughout because there's always something new that you can learn. From oh, without from-
0: a doubt, without a doubt, learning is is, is a it, boy. Lifelong learning is is I suppose um, you know um, it's it's a never-ending uh, venture. Let's go and talk to our first guest of the afternoon. We have with us Nadia Rahman, who is a founder of You and Me Publishing. Good afternoon, welcome, Alaikum and peace be on you, Nadia.
5: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for taking time out and coming on to our show. Uh, could you tell us about Could you tell us something about yourself and the work you do, please?
5: Um, my name is Nadia Rahman. I'm a wife and a full time mum to a very energetic toddler. I'm also the founder of You and Me Publishing. Uh, my background is in marketing and communications. I have previously worked in the education and charity sector. I decided to pursue writing and publishing after the birth of my daughter at the beginning of the pandemic and i would read to her and i noticed that these stories that i would read to her were incredible uh books such as the gruffalo stick man tiger who came to tea they're absolutely amazing but what i did find was that they lacked representation of my faith my culture um, and I grew up in West London, and so I've always been surrounded by different cultures and faiths. And I felt that this was actually missing in children's picture books for quite some time. So I decided to take on that challenge.
2: Yeah. So Nadia, uh, uh, are you the uh, you are the founder of an independent publishing house? Could you tell us uh, more about you and me?
5: Yes, sure. So, uh, You you and Me Publishing is an independent publishing house. It's dedicated to publishing child-centric and parent-friendly fiction, which is based on Islamic principles, whilst also representing the diverse uh, cultures in society. We wanted to shine a positive light on Islam by sharing stories that inspire children to open up their imaginations and be exposed to different cultures, Islamic values, you know they're universal it's something that we want to share and our values as a publishing house is to have integrity adhere to the islamic and moral principles in our storytelling passion creating beautiful high quality literature for children you know positivity we're we're trying to challenge the the narrative, um, what's shown in the mainstream media about Islam, and really shining that positive light on faith faith, um, in the mainstream media, and also having the courage to be authentic and represent the diverse communities in Islam, because, you know, not all Muslims come from an Asian or Arab background. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So now um you have wrote uh, the book and uh, you and me so there are al- already in the market there are so many books for the children why do you um why do you um thought uh, that there is need um t- uh, to write another book for children
5: i mean uh you know children need lots of different types of books um, they need to be able to see a representation of themselves in books um you know. It seems like uh, if you look in the major stores, such as Waterstones,
4: mm-hmm.
5: um, you know you may not get that representation of Muslim families mm-hmm. or Asian families, or even if you look at, uh, for example, um, you know English families as Muslims. Right. That is not represented out there, and I think that's something that people need to be aware of. That this this does exist.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, Could you tell us uh, more about your upcoming book? What is the theme of uh, the book?
5: So this is the first picture book that we're publishing. It's called Zeneb's Little Rabbit. Mm -hmm. Um, It will be available on Amazon on Thursday, the 10th of November. And it's about a little girl who goes to the park with her mama and loses her favorite toy. Her mama teaches her a prayer to help her find the rabbit. And it's a story of not just finding a toy that's been lost, But a child sort of learning how to trust Allah to build that relationship with Allah at a young age and patience. And, you know, it's a story that all children and parents can relate to, I think. Um, You know, we will be holding a launch next week as well um, in Fulham uh, at Nomad Books um, on Sunday, the 13th of November at 2.30. if anyone is in the area, please do pop along. We love to see you there, and families are more than welcome. Mm-hmm.
2: Um,
5: so that's, that's about the book.
2: Okay. So Nadia, recently the percentage of children reading books have decreased. Why do you think it is important for children to read uh, books, especially with their parents and, you know?
5: Yes, of course. So apart from the, the learning and the academic aspect, I think for most children it can be really daunting to read aloud especially if it's not encouraged at uh, at home. And it can be for a lot of um, children to suddenly start to read aloud in the classroom. It can be quite daunting. And I'm a big advocate for exposing children uh, to books from a young age. Children learn a lot from their parents and copy what their parents do. So it's a great opportunity to bond and be silly and also build confidence in speech and language while sharing reading time together. Reading the same story over and over again might make the parents go a little bit crazy. (laughs) But, um, you know, the child will remember that story, the words, the expressions through repetition. However, I would like to add that books are expensive and not everyone has the means to buy different books regularly. Um, libraries are a great resource, and often they host um, activities for children too. There's also book swaps with family and friends. Um, children can learn to share their books. and even my friends have passed on books uh, to me, for my daughter that their child have um outgrown. So that's really handy, and I think there's different ways of um, approaching reading.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much, Nadia, for uh, coming uh, in our show. I'm really glad that uh, it it was a pleasure to have you. And thank you so much for coming. No,
5: thank you for having
0: me. Thank you so much. Thank you. Peace be on you. Thank you. Peace be on you. And that was Nadia Rahman, who is uh, a founder of You and Me uh, Publishing. Um, Before we uh, had a conversation with Nadia, we were talking about reading at a small age. Um, One out of every five children in the UK cannot read at a satisfactory level by the age 11. The sad part is that, according to a UNESCO report from 2006, more than 132 million young people are and will remain for the rest of their lives unable to read. I mean, that's a staggering number, isn't it, uh, gentlemen? 132 million young people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think just one thing that I also wanted to say, just as listening to to our previous guest about affordability, that yes, books can be expensive, and some people might obviously not afford it, especially with the uh, you know financial constraints at the moment. But also, I think uh, you know we we should try to take advantage of the libraries, for example, town. in our places, right?
0: Definitely, in our towns.
1: Yeah, you can easily uh, you know get a card and. and you know, uh, borrow some books and, and, and read them and return them. So there's always options. Um, and, and, and as you said, you know, when um, there's so much need for for, for children to, to develop those skills that will help them in the future.
0: I think that's a fantastic point you make, Safir. I mean, especially if one was to go to Al-Islam and learn about Islam, mm-hmm. you know, yes. if they were to go to the library on Al-Islam, they can download so many books with this day of technology. So many yes. books are available for free. And yeah. if you like physical books, outside most bookshops, um, in fact, bookshops are back in fashion. They're more trendy now. The fact that mm. they're not bookshops on their own; they're attached to coffee shops. They have a. They actually have a section where they have free books. You can actually go and take them. So yeah.
1: books and coffee sounds great, doesn't it? Exactly.
0: You know, and and uh, it, it's 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 an excellent point you make that. Um, As much as rightly so, there are constraints, but, um, you know, um, the significance of reading is so much that it needs to be kind of um, budgeted for if it is a budget. But if you can't, there are so many facilities in today's day and age um, that uh, you can access um, free material
2: well there's an interesting um article i was reading or just uh, a uh, video i was watching that um one person he he returned his book after like 75 years and uh, uh, he returned on the book that sorry um i didn't complete the book but it was interesting in the beginning so uh, you know um, these kind of little um, um stories really interesting definitely but definitely he, did, he didn't complete it yeah he didn't complete it he said sorry oh, yeah. after, after 75 years <laughs>
0: yeah Let, okay <laughs> let's not say anything about that mm-hmm. again let's go and talk to our next guest of the afternoon we have a book curator and uh, bibliotherapist a freelance journalist an author and a poet we have with us Bijal Shah good afternoon welcome assalamu alaikum and peace be on you and thank you for taking time out and coming on to the drive time show Bijal
6: Hi there. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Um,
0: Could you tell us something about yourself and what you do?
6: Yeah, sure. So um, I am a a bibliotherapist and a literary curator. You might ask, what is a bibliotherapist? And it's somebody who uses literature as a therapeutic medium. Um, So I prescribe literature for different therapeutic issues um, and use it as an adjunct to counselling and psychotherapy. Um, and uh, it's something that's been around for a long time, but it's never really translated into the mainstream. Um, And my goal, um, with my current sort of literary practice, book therapy, is to really bring that to the mainstream media.
0: Wonderful. What a wonderful way to giving someone therapy, using books. Um, It's it's fantastic. Um, A percentage of people reading books has decreased. How does reading books... Uh, help a person with their mental health I mean, um, as you already said you you kind of use this technique successfully so could you kind of expand on that for the benefit of our listener?
7: Yes, of course
6: so, you know, book therapy, bibliotherapy it's an age-old time-tested method for using the power of reading to support better mental health and well-being and from the ancient Greeks to millennials, you know, modern-day millennials, everybody's been reading literature. As a as a therapeutic medium with curative effects, so we've got storytelling, poet, poetry, novellas, personal development, self help books, whatever the genre, you can get everyone can benefit from from literature, and the basis of it really is um, three aspects. Um, you know, the individual needs to identify and connect with the text or relevant character. Two, the text needs to be able to to help the individual connect with their emotions allowing them to release this, i.e. provide for a cathartic response. And three, it should provide some sort of insight into the individual's own situation based on the issues faced by the character or discussed in the text, and allow the individual to sort of consolidate these in a therapeutic fashion. Um, and so we would go through this three-step process in a, in a bibliotherapy session. And you know, if you if you if you don't like talking therapy, then we can also prescribe a reading list, which is a curated reading list of book recommendations, seven to ten book recommendations, to help you deal with the issue that you're that you're working on. And that could range from any genre, from fiction to nonfiction. We prescribe a lot of poetry, essay, memoir. They all have a place in bibliotherapy.
0: Now, we we just quoted a figure from UNESCO about 132 million young people. Um, will never be able to read and you have a podcast uh, raising a reader and a storyteller could you tell us something about this podcast and could you kind of give us your take and your opinion on 132 million young people who will never be able to read
6: gosh that is um can you hear me okay yeah yeah of
0: course loud and clear yeah
6: that's that that's it's obviously a really tragic number. And, you know, I know there's a number of foundations around the world who are doing something to reduce that number.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: But, um, you know, during the pandemic, I developed a, um, a seven-episode podcast with um, speech and language therapist, Zenitha Shah, on helping young readers sort of from the ages of zero to eight um, become really strong, avid readers and, and fall in love with reading. Um, because there's so many tips and techniques But, you know, anybody, it doesn't matter how old you are, if you're you're new to reading, there's so many tips and techniques that can help you acquire your reading skills, expand your vocabulary, and also um, a key aspect of of that is also developing the imagination and learning to be able to tell a story back. Um, And then, of course, there's all the the sort of mental uh, well-being aspects of reading, which also get incorporated. And so this is what the podcast is trying to focus on. So the first few will focus on developing literacy skills and then the latter half is more on, you know, the mental well-being of, uh, to improve your mental well-being through reading and improve your imagination and storytelling.
0: And, and how does one access the podcast? Um, is it through, um, are the, is this openly available for people to, to, to kind of benefit from?
6: Yes, it is. It's, um, it's available wherever you listen to podcasts, so if it's Spotify, Apple, uh, you know, Apple iTunes. Um, you can also just access it directly from my website if you go to, if you search for podcasts, you'll come across two podcasts that I have, which is this one and, and another general one on bibliotherapy. So if you just Google it, you know, you just Google my name or Raising a Reader and Storyteller Podcast, it should come up.
0: Now- How can journaling your life be therapeutic? I mean, it's something that uh, we see quite a lot nowadays. Um, uh, A journal is something um, everybody kind of um, writes. And I remember the olden days. Again, I'll say the olden days because I'm old. Uh, People used to say, uh, you know, everybody writes a diary. Is it the same thing? Is it the same thing? And... and
6: for that you could i mean very much a journal is keeping a regular diary of your day-to-day thoughts your feelings your reflections um and i specific, specifically advocate these of literary journaling which is essentially reading something and seeing what the literature has prompted in you because often when we're reading we have so many thoughts feelings that are triggered by mm-hmm. the literature um and it can actually journaling can actually be a very safe space to kind of put down your feelings and your thoughts and just ruminate on them sometimes and, and come back to it later. But it's a very wonderful way of connecting with yourself because often our defenses are so high up, like in talking therapy, sometimes we don't want to talk about our feelings. Um, whereas when you're journaling, it's very much a stream of consciousness approach. You know, the words, the feelings are naturally just coming. And, and just write, don't think about it too much. Just Just put on page what's coming up in your head. Um, you know, that's my sort of first first step. And um, and then later go back and try and make sense of what you've read, reflect on what you've said, consolidate it.
0: Now, um, fa- finally, you you wrote a non-fiction book titled The Happiness Mindset. I mean, a very interesting uh, title. Um, and the book yes. has received more than 50 reviews on Amazon with five-star ratings. Could you please tell our listeners about what the book includes um, and how
6: yeah, it, sure. does
0: it you know a, a happy mindset I mean isn't that the ultimate goal
6: it is I, I wrote this book about it in 2014 but um, after completing my diploma in counseling and psychotherapy but essentially happiness takes work it's not something that you, know, you can just wake up and one day just feel happy like it's, it's very much a collaboration of various strategies that I discuss in the book um, and it's really child strategies that, you know, I wish I'd known when I was younger. Um, and the inspiration behind was this, this was really, like, I'd faced a lot of setbacks when I was younger, you know, falling ill, crisis points at work, just bad relationships. And I really wanted to consolidate what I'd learnt into a little, you know, self-help kind of strategy a book, which you can then just read and apply, and you don't have to read in order. But things, just simple things like um, working out what your values are. Are you living a life that's aligned with your values? Um, are you expanding your network? Are you expanding your social connections? Because, you know, friendships, relationships are so important to happiness. Are you feeling grateful for what you have? I mean, gratitude has got such immense benefits for our mental well-being and the way we approach life that I don't think we practice it enough and and this has been seen on the brain MRIs as well Um, but it's, you know, about building your resilience your personal power um, learning ways to understand other people you know, things like the Myers-Briggs approach really helps us understand how someone else works and things Um, so it, it really is about trust strategies that I focus on which I think if you can you know, cultivate a habit of practicing these, you will get that one step closer to feeling more content or satisfied with your life and, and, and be living a more authentic life in line with your values. Wonderful. Um, so so yeah. it's, all, it's,
0: it's, it's yeah. about per- developing yourself as a person um, from, from, yeah. from all aspects of, of life be it social, be it work, be it family. It's, it's, it's to, to learn how to be confident. About who you are and and what you need to do to move forward in life.
6: Exactly, honouring your values, honouring your needs—you know, really being true to yourself, setting boundaries, um, all those sorts of things.
0: Wonderful, um, wonderful. You know, um, yeah. Bijul, thank you so much for taking time out and coming on to the Drive Tom Show. Um, I wish you a fantastic afternoon ahead. May peace be with you.
6: Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure
0: and that was bijoshahu is a who um is a book curator and a bibliotherapist um she's a freelance journalist and an author and a poet we we were talking about facts about uh, um children not being able to read and and at the beginning of the show imam safir uh, you talked about the importance of uh, of reading the holy quran on a daily basis and i kind of wanted to Talk about what we and, and our guests just now talked about personal development and and talked about ethics, morals, values and about happiness and about fulfillment and about gratitude. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Aren't most of what we talk about today of ethics, morals, values, they actually come from religious texts, don't they? Or am I Absolutely. wrong?
1: Absolutely. No, no, you, I agree with you 100 uh, percent on that. Um, and and the reason is because the Holy Quran is full of uh, moral guidance, uh, you know. Yep. Um. And if we just step away from the Quran as, as Muslims for for a second here and just look at the aspects of uh, or the concept of reading, yep. One of the things that reading does is that it teaches empathy. Um. Books, you know, they allow us to experience realities outside of our lives. Uh, they, they teach us to relate to. Other people by often you know putting us in the position of the person who's writ- writing the book or who's who's the author or narrator, and this simple technique is called empathy. So empathy is defined as the you know the 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 ability or the the skill to understand and share the feelings of other people, and 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 that is something that comes with. Uh, reading because it constantly presents us with thoughts and scenarios how things are moving on in terms of a good way and how things go in a bad way and now if we come back to the Quran for example in the Holy Quran Allah the Almighty explains sometimes with stories sometimes with examples of previous um, incidents of people who have done good things and encourages us that you you as a believer should also try to do these things and then sometimes uh, Allah the Almighty through words explain to us that you know this is um, a, a, for example a bad thing to do and also gives us examples us you know in, in the form of story or narrations of what has happened in the past so an examples of, of 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 how it works so it really builds your uh, you know moral character and I think it's so crucial that uh, you know that we, we we do read the Holy Quran but also read any book because the more books you read, the more different uh, perspective you will have. And that also, I think, creates within you a sense of humility as well. That, you know, sometimes people, some people have this idea that, you know, whatever we are saying or whatever we are thinking is only the only way or the right way. Whereas the books, you know, uh, gives you different perspective and creates a little bit of that humility uh, within yourself as well that you, you always learn from, from other aspects
2: absolutely as you mentioned you know um that uh, books gives you the um, point of view uh, of uh, you know other people how they think how how they uh, look at um, how they look towards the world and and uh, also you mentioned you know that uh, um the quran holy quran allah the almighty uh, states and uh, it basically um portrayed different stories to un- to make us understand how important um um to believe in Allah and also you know if you look um, towards the first word of the Holy Quran which is you know iqra read and it show it not only just show the importance of reading but it also have you know the one of the uh, the prophecy in itself that the Holy Quran not only uh, will be written but in 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 the coming days people will you know read um, read it very oftenly and um, and now if we look at um, uh, in today's world uh, this uh, Quran is one of the most um, um, recitable book in the world, and uh, um, with that, it gives the, it gives you the message that how important reading is.
0: Now, talking about the importance of reading, let's go and talk to our uh, last guest of the hour. We have with us Melissa Ahmadi who is a mother of two and uh, uh, she's a trained religious uh, studies teacher. Good afternoon, welcome, Assalamualaikum, and peace be on you, Melissa
8: you. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for taking time out, um, Melissa. You're a mother and you're a, a teacher. So you know it goes without saying that reading has uh, an important. Reading is very significant in in um, in in your life. Could you tell us yes. how reading um, has benefited you, or how is it that you ensure that reading is benefits your children? Um, from a personal point of view and, I suppose, for, as a teacher?
8: Yeah, so for me personally, I've, I've always liked a mixture of books, and I've been very lucky that I've always been surrounded by, you know, books from a very young age. My mother always placed quite a big emphasis on reading in our house. It was kind of like books everywhere as we were growing up. So that was a real privilege I recognise because I was listening just to the segment before before now, talking about how it is quite a humbling thing to be able to be exposed to lots of different kinds of new ideas and different kinds of books. So for me, it's always played such a huge part of my life and probably played into the reason why I decided to become a teacher um, or trained to be a teacher um, and p- chose the subjects that I did because I chose history and religious studies as my core subject. So that's kind of the route that I decided to go down purely out of that love for. Reading and writing. So, yeah, it's always been such a big part of my life.
2: Yeah. So, Melissa, um, the percentage of children reading books is decreasing as they got more digital distraction. How have you, as a parent, developed the love and interest to read uh, books in your children and your childhood?
8: Yeah, well, you could probably hear my son before. Um, <laughs> but they definitely keep me busy. But I think part of being a parent to very young children is about trying to keep them busy and trying to keep them active and engaged and learning new things. And and reading is such a huge part of that, for me anyway. Um, I mean, I I kind of feel like if you want your children to do something, then you have to kind of role model it. So Mm
4: -hmm.
8: I keep my sort of books around and and I read when I can throughout the day, just little pockets of the day, you know, whatever time I can have to spare to to read books. And I just leave them in places where I would – I'd be doing something, doing tasks around the house, or maybe I'd be going out, leave a book in the car, for example, when I'm going to pick the children up from school and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think trying to encourage them to, to read also comes from you showing an interest in in reading as well and exposing them to different kinds of books mm-hmm. and new environments with books and taking them to the library and things like that. So, yeah, that's kind of what I I do to try and make it more accessible to them.
2: Okay. Um, Lisa, do you think reading books um, can help with mental health and does it help with adults only or have you seen any change in your children as well?
8: I think definitely both. I think I definitely echo what the, um, the previous guest was talking about, about how it can really help you uh, mentally. And as a form of therapy, I absolutely agree with what she said. Um, and I also feel His Holiness, who's the head of the Andy Muslim community, has really given clear and really profound guidance on this um about you know making sure and ensuring that children are reading and they have time to read, and not just for their studies but for their own general knowledge as well. This is something that he has spoken about in the past um and also relatively recently, you know during um, the period the time period of covid and um the the virtual meetings that he's been having online. so this is something that um is coming from you know, the head of the anti Muslim community, but also it plays such a huge part in our lives as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that in terms of mental health with children, absolutely, I think, you know, screen time is <laughs> the nemesis of every parent, <laughs> isn't it? Trying right. to control how much screen time your children have, um, but also trying to engage them in other activities, you know, getting them out of the house. I think that's something that's really important, especially for young parents. Um, and trying to engage them in books and reading, you have to then... Uh, either engage in the local library that's free mm-hmm. um, so if you're lucky enough to live near one then that's that's really good but I think also um, buying books for children that they're actually interested in as well, so sort of playing into their interests, whatever they're interested in um, yeah that's, um, that's kind of how I do it
0: Melissa, well, final question we, we, we're talking about reading and sometimes one thinks you know, we, we take reading seriously, which we should do but from a child's yeah. perspective reading is fun as well isn't it
8: yeah absolutely i think it can they're, they're very much aware if it's something that you're excited about then that can often motivate them as well but like i was saying like playing into their own interests like my son really loves dinosaurs so getting him a mm-hmm. book about dinosaurs of course he's gonna mm-hmm. love it um and with my daughter she's she's approaching the age she's nearly at school age now so her imagination and um, like the previous guest was talking about it can really help them with their creativity and their imagination and many things are real to them like if I if I tell them verbal stories not just like reading from a book but also verbal stories and like oral stories storytelling that's really vivid for like children who are like three and four like it's you know people that you talk about from the past and historical figures and things like that they're very real for those children so yeah that's something that I've definitely seen that sort of interest from my children as well. And,
0: you know, we always talk about how a child is a product of, of the environment that they live in. So would you say that parents need to, instead of us talking about, forever talking about how children should be reading, if parents were to read and kids saw them reading, isn't that something that will solve the the, the problem within itself?
8: Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I think, you know, children are sponges. They'll just soak up whatever they see, particularly from their own parents or whoever lives, you know, in their household. So they will absolutely, if you like reading, chances are that they will also like reading as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, sort of giving them opportunities and never forcing it, but just, you know, allowing them the opportunity to have some quiet time. I think, like I was saying before about screen time, it is a bit of a nemesis. But sort of like time blocking your day can really help. Mm-hmm. Um, setting some time aside for reading or going to the library a couple of times a week even, if it's local, that can really help foster that interest.
0: Fantastic. Melissa Ahmadi, thank you so much for taking time out and coming on to The Drive Time Show. Wishing you a fantastic evening ahead. Peace be with you.
8: Thank you. Funny.
0: We can't have a show and not talk about statistics. So according to a study from the University of Liverpool, respondents who describe themselves as readers were 10% more ...likely than non-readers to report adequate levels of self-esteem. The percentages increases to 18% if we only observe those read for 30 minutes a week or more. Other stats around reading for 30 minutes or more per week included a 21% higher chance of significantly broadening one's general knowledge. And people reading at least this much were 27% uh, more likely to find it easy to start a conversation. In a study of 294 people researchers discovered the importance of reading in senior years. People who engaged in mentally stimulating activities later in life experienced less cognitive decline. Reading can help r- reduce mental decline in an old age by up to 32 percent. However, researchers discovered even more impressive life, um, early life reading facts, keeping the mind active in childhood, adolescence and middle age also contributed to a slower mental decline rate, which is so significant um for for um for today um hopefully some of these reading statistics of 2002 made it apparent just how important it is to start reading early and retain the habit throughout your life and its importance to remember that it's never too late to become an avid reader the holy prophet may peace and blessings of allah be upon him reminded those who recite the holy quran beautifully are like the noble uh, noble scribes but as far as for those who are struggling to read it with hardship, will merit double rewards. We owe it to ourselves to realize our potential. That means getting better at focusing without distraction on a challenging things that cr- create value. Reading is one way to help us do that. It trains us to be more focused in a more focused state and less prone to distraction. It has multiple benefits that lasts a lifetime. We should continuously pray to God Almighty for an increase of knowledge, as even the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, reminded us, and say, "Lord, bestow on me increase of knowledge, chapter 20, verse one, one five. We should also pray, "O oh my Lord, make my entry a good entry, and make me go forth a good thing forth, a good going forth, and grant me from thyself a uh, helping power." Chapter 17, verse 81. He it is who who has sent down to thee the book, in it there are verses that are firm and decisive in meaning. They are the basis of the book. And there are others that are susceptible of different interpretations, but those in whose heart is perversity pursue such thereof as are susceptible of different interpretations, seeking to cause discord and seeking wrong interpretation for it. And none knows its right interpretation except Allah and those who are firmly grounded in knowledge, they say, we believe in it. The whole is from our Lord, and none take heed except those gifted with understanding. O Lord, let not our hearts become perverse after thou hast guided us, and bestow, us, bestow on us mercy from thyself. Surely thou art the great bestower. Our Lord, thou wilt certainly assemble mankind together on the day about which there is no doubt. Surely. Allah never fails in His promise. Chapter verse three to eight. Uh, chapter three verse eight to ten. Um, that concludes us uh, on the topic of book books. Um, we are going to come back after the news, and we're going to and we're going to carry on for the next hour on the topic of Halloween. Do stay tuned. We'll join us after news. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed. You're listening to The Voice of Islam Radio, broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Monday afternoon drive time show with myself Kayum and brother Imran um the conversation that we're going to be having for the next hour um as uh, we started the show earlier um it is you know with the sad news of of the accident that um um happened uh, the tragedy that happened um in Halloween um and that's what we're going to be talking about what is Halloween we're going to be looking at different perspectives we're going to be looking at um, um, you know, what's uh, what's Islam's um, response to um, such days. Um, again, 31st October, today is the day um, which marks the celebration of Halloween festivals around the world. Um, and due to Christianity and also mainstream media, uh, marketing campaigns, Halloween has spread all over the world. Um, you know, going back maybe even a decade, um, this was something which probably was you know, um, relevant in certain countries, mm-hmm. um, definitely USA, definitely in in United Kingdom and and some other nations. But it wasn't as widespread as it is today, where you know it, it is truly global. Mm-hmm. Where even in you know in Asia, you wouldn't have thought, uh, be it southern or western or, or any part of Asia, it was mostly um, a developed world phenomenon. Um, but uh, um, it, you know it now it is you know it's in it's in all over the west united states canada uk japan new zealand australia most of europe but even in in countries like india even in pakistan mm-hmm. um you know sri lanka if one goes to even the subcontinent um halloween has become a norm people are celebrating these traditions some would say innovations customs um and people actually do not know the, the Or people aren't interest, interested in the background. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, to them, it's uh, they they just want to party uh, yeah. under under the name um, Halloween. Um, most associate Halloween with decorative pieces such as pumpkins, scary costumes, bonfires, um, a trick and treating. Um, societies go to great lengths to ensure that no one misses out um, on this festivity. Um, the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had prophesied that such pagan traditions would be followed by people in, la- in in latter generations. He said, you will certainly follow the ways of those who came before you, span by span and cubit by cubit, so much so that even if they rent- entered a hole of a lizard, you would follow them. I mean, that kind of truly explains what we are doing at the moment in this world, isn't it? I mean, I always say, you know, the the first hour we were talking about how we need people who read because readers are leaders mm-hmm. um, and, and you know at the moment we are living in a society where the powers to be want us to be sheep
2: right
0: We they just want us to follow they don't want us to question they don't want us to read they don't want us to, uh, to see what's the root cause of something they don't want us to know why someone is doing it mm-hmm they just want us to follow, and 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 you know the the best way to describe that is have the sheep mentality, Absolutely. where you know just just you, you just follow. Um, most people celebrate um, Halloween on the pretext of having fun. As I said, it's dark history linked to sorceries, spiritism, um, and uh, occultist rituals, making it impossible to consider it a mere harmless fun. It is therefore important to know the history and origin of such rituals rather than blindly following. So for the next hour or so, we're going to be discussing the origins of Halloween, and we're going to see how it impacts the society and how, um, how harmful it is. Um, and we're going to be looking at it um, from the Islamic lens um, and, and kind of um, broadening um, and uh, informing our listener as to why um, Islam um, doesn't allow uh, and encourage um, such celebrations. And then we're going to be looking at the reasonings behind it. Um, but before we go into the origins um, of, of, uh, of, of Halloween, um, Brother Imran, um, tragedy that occurred. Again, um, if one was to look at it, it happened, everything, you know, 100,000 people um, on the streets in the name of having fun, as we said. I would have thought, personal perspective, one looks around. One sees a hundred and I mean, the last number that I heard was hundred and fifty-three young people, mostly teenagers, oh. have have died. Um, what a waste! What a waste That's of right. life! What a tragedy for for families. hundred and fifty-three parents,
4: absolutely, yes,
0: yeah, losing their children. I I again I would have thought people who are out there still celebrating. Mm-hmm. Again, I'll I'll say it's personal opinion. They might think, maybe we need to take a step back. Maybe we need to, just out of sheer respect Mm -hmm. for the families who've lost their children. Let's not do this. Maybe I'm wrong. I Mm -hmm. don't know. It's Mm -hmm. a personal opinion that, uh, you know, we live in a world where we talk about a global world. We talk about feelings and sharing and, and, and being part of somebody else's sorrow. I would have thought sorrow is not just verbal it is something we need to show in practice because that's the teachings of islam
4: right
0: where you know we believe in a living god uh, and uh, you know if we are truly sorry then maybe we need to kind of tweak our actions to ensure that we show people as well mm-hmm. that we mean what we say am i wrong or, or, or? no no
2: you yeah, absolutely i mean I absolutely right and look at there was a number and um 90, 90 of uh, the people who were sadly died 90 of them were women and uh, most of the people were in you know in their twent- uh in their, in their 20s or uh, mid 30s so that shows how sad incident that was and you know people maybe i don't know what happened there but um it's just they were apparently they were having fun and sadly uh they are not with us anymore, and that shows that you know um to uh, to how much extent can can people go to you know just to having a fun and uh they don't people as you mentioned that you know people are like a sheep, they just follow other people, and they don't think what's the reason reason and what's the benefit and what's the philosophy behind uh the act they just follow so sadly um this incident has happened, and my condolence to all of these, all of the people, who, all of the families, um, who died, basically.
0: Now, based on that, we are asking a question on our Instagram story: um, Will you be celebrating Halloween? We would love to hear your opinion um, at Voice of Islam UK. Um, if you want to contribute and you want to give us your opinion or share your opinion with us, oh two oh eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight, or you can email us. Your opinion um, and you can join us via um, any of these social media platforms you can email us via our website www.voiceofislam.co.uk um, So what is the history and origins of Halloween
2: brother Imran? So the history and origins of Halloween are predominantly linked to all Irish pagan beliefs and is based on concept uh, belonging to witches Pagans are people who practice non abrahamic religion, i.e. those who worship local deities or people who practice polytheism. The origin of Halloween is from the Gaelic festival of death, making the um, beginning of their new year, called Su'in or Su'en, celebrated on 31st of October or um, 1st of November. Celts were a group of people who migrated to Britain and Ireland and practiced pagans, paganism. So they don't only believe in in being a day for the dead but when dead reach out to the living because on this night between the dead and living is the thinnest. Salts therefore saw it as an opportunity to meet their ancestor so that they can guide them about the forthcoming uh, new year. Romans also influenced Halloween in 50 AD when most of the salic and land was conquered they brought their traditions with them one of the traditional festivals were known as Ferilia, when the roman traditionally uh, commemorated the passing of the dead the roman festival of the dead Ferilia, became mingled with um Samhain because they were celebrated at the same time it is believed that many Halloween halloween's costumes and games including apples such as apple bobbing and apple peeling, probably dates from this time. So, this pagan practice creeped into Christianity as well. When the early Christian Pope declared November the first to be All Saints' Day, i.e., the All Hallows, to honor um, Catholic saints and martyrs, thus making October, 30, um, 30 October um, 31st of October All Hallows Eve which um, in turn came to be known as halloween the early the early church missionaries chose to include religious ceremonies on holy uh, dates coinciding with pagan festivals in an attempt to invite and convert native pagans to christianity by um, adopting parts of pagan practices and giving the so in a new meaning early christian early church missionaries tried to Christianize these pagan holidays. Unfortunately, they they did not succeed because they they could not influence witches or pagans to turn away from and abandon their witchcraft. Divinations and sorcery, instead it become a mockery for the witches. Halloween becomes known as the Night of the Witch. It was then, according to superstitions, that the devil and all its followers, uh, followers, witches, warlocks and demons gathered. They would mock the coming of the church festival of all saints on the day of uh, November the 1st by performing unholy acts. So basically
0: Hold that thought. Mm-hmm. Let's go and talk to a uh, uh, an expert on this. We have with us um, a well-known uh, folk- folklorist and a scholar of religions, a lecturer at University College Cork. Since 2002, we have with us Dr. Jenny uh, Butler. Good afternoon. Welcome. Uh, Assalamualaikum, and peace be on you, Dr. Butler. Uh,
7: Salaam Hello. Thank you.
0: Um, thank you for taking time out and coming on to our show this afternoon. Dr. Butler, what made you want to study folklore and mythology? And with respect of Halloween, is it mythology?
7: Uh, well, what made me want to study folklore and mythology? I've always been interested in magic and the mysterious in life you know things to do with the spiritual world so I, I was very drawn to the study the academic study of, of folklore and mythology and as you as you were saying you know what what is mythology and what is religion this mm. is a, a big a preoccupation of mine because I my my academic training was in folklore and then I moved into the study of religion and we tend to call Older, um, like pre-pre Abrahamic religions, so before Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, we call those religions mythology. There's a tendency to do that, um, and to call other ones religion. So, uh, you know, it's uh, it's sometimes when you you go back far enough, it was a living religion. So, many of the mythological traditions that we have come from ancient ancient religions and rituals and uh, different, very different understandings of, of the world.
0: So, so what you mean is what we deem as mythology today at one time was a living religion?
7: Yes, like if we think of Egyptian mythology, for example, um, that was, you know, you go back further in time, ancient magic and, and religion, that was part of the what we might call the life world um, of the people and... The way that the information was compiled was uh it was called mythology um you know there are different definitions, but we can we can look at it in that way
0: um, now now you mentioned just out of curiosity uh Dr Butler you mentioned things like magic are we talking about magic in the way we know it today or the way it's portrayed by you know all these different films and 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 hollywood and 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 uh, stories or are we talking magic from a different perspective
7: um i would say uh again it's, it's difficult to put a, a precise definition on uh what we mean by magic people mean different things
4: mm-hmm.
7: um, and we have all of those kind of associations with things like sleight of hand magic or um you know stage magic or as you said kind of uh you know, film and TV and kind of more fantasy yep. type things. You know, the the, the the implication being that it's not real. But there are many things that uh, we could, we we also describe as magic that have to do with rituals and um, to communicate with ancestors or deities. Uh, so things that have to do with um, the spiritual world that uh, we're also describing as magic. But in you know the same kind of way as we're to, we're using the term mythology.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, now, now my brother, here, brother Imran was kind of uh, telling us about the Celts and and the Samhain. Could you um, kind of elaborate on what Imran was, uh, brother Imran was talking about? So, who are or who were the Celts, or or should I say, who are the Celts, and what is Samhain?
7: Okay, so the the Celts and. Um, you know, the the word Celt wasn't used until the 1700s, kind of in retrospect for lots of different peoples who moved, you know, moved across France and Spain into Britain and and Ireland. Um, And the, the start of Celtic culture is usually put around the year 1200 before the Common Era. And then in Britain and Ireland, it's associated with around... Uh, the Iron Age, so 600, uh, the year 600 uh, before the Common Era, up until um, the year around 43, when the Romans when the Romans invade. That's uh, that's taken as the end of the Iron Age. So different peoples, um, with their their pantheons of, of gods and goddesses, um, and their their understanding of the the spirit world. They had festivals, so they had. Um, in the different Celtic regions, there are still uh, continuations of some strands of, of tradition to do at these festivals. And you mentioned, you know, who are the Celts today? If we're to go by the, the academic definition, it's the peoples and the regions in which the, the Celtic languages were spoken or are still spoken today. So, you know, different branches of the, the Celtic languages. There's in Britain, there's Welsh. Uh, and Scots Gaelic and the Irish language and Scots Gaelic are both Gaelic uh, traditions and languages and then you have uh, Breton language in in Brittany and France um, and also uh, other parts of Britain like uh, the Isle of Man um, where Manx Manx is a is also a Celtic um, derived language so the it's it's to do with the regions and the language um, so the the in the Celtic language, there's um, a root root word, so the etymology or the history of the word for the festival, Samhain, um, it's coming from SOV, which is uh, so the Mh was maybe a V sound in Old Irish. So this is a Old Irish is a, a dead language, and it developed into modern Irish, so the pronunciation is a bit different. But sav, uh is where we get the same root word is where we get Saura. Saura is the, the Irish. Mm-hmm. name for summer so Sav and Fuen, so Fuin is end so literally it's summer's end and it might have been wind mm-hmm. and over time it became Sovwyn so we pronounce it like Sovwyn in, mm-hmm. in Irish so summer's end and the start of winter so this is this festival is the, the traditional start of winter and entering into the dark part of the year so it's thought that the Celts had a, a bright half um, from which is the first of may or the traditional start of summer rounds to Samhain and then Samhain is the start of the dark the going into the darkness and there's a lot symbolically to do with um, death of the year but also of uh, animal slaughter because this would have been the time uh, when farmers would decide what animals they were going to keep alive and keep feeding they'd have to have enough to feed in, in in store for the winter so it was a time traditionally to slaughter some animals
0: and have a feast. Um, Dr. Butler, I mean, thank you for that um, um, comprehensive uh, definition of, of of who the Celts and and what the belief and the believers are. But is there a science behind the, the belief system? Is it and is the belief system based on superstition? Because again. For someone who doesn't know much about Halloween, one thinks that um, that the notion or the narrative of superstition is um, is 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 more illusionary than anything else. So, what's the science behind it, and is there a science behind the belief in
7: Halloween? Um, I think I think it's very difficult to try to uh, match up spiritual ideas with with scientific explanations, especially when we're, we're dealing with ancient cosmologies or understandings of the world where we don't really know, the, we don't know the exact significance of many of the traditions that have carried on. How do you mean um, cosmology,
0: just for the benefit of the listener? Um,
7: uh, so cosmology is a term we use in the, the study of, of folklore and religion. It, it's to do with um, the universe. So cosmos is the Greek for the universe. And it's the traditional, traditional cultural understandings of of the universe of you know human beings' place in the universe um, and the environment around us. So the way people understand the world is really what it, what it is. Um, so you know we know that this time of year has something to do with the ancestors. So um, you know uh, it's it's described as the in later in later times in Ireland anyway. It's described as like. Time of the returning dead, so that the the ancestors, um, relatives, more recently deceased relatives, uh, it's understood that they come back and visit the place where they once lived. So this is a very different understanding of the world than Christianity. So you know, it's um, the traditions are quite hard to to understand. Um, never mind give a scientific. Basis for you know, it's, uh, um, I think. Uh, I mean, you you mentioned Christian. You, you mentioned sorry. Christianity
0: is Halloween part of Christianity, or, or um, because yes, that's that's what the, that's how it's portrayed as that it has become part of, or has it become part of Christianity at a later stage? Uh, it's
7: become part of Christianity at a later stage, as you said. So Halloween is a mixture, it's a mixture of these traditions that stretch right back to Celtic and likely pre-Celtic people Um, and then from medieval times on you have Roman Catholic traditions uh, mixing in as well, so after Ireland was Christianised, it becomes a very strongly Catholic Catholic country Um, and then with the Catholic feast days you have all saints which is on the 1st of November, when Roman Catholics um, pray to, they venerate saints, but they also pray for the the faithful departed, you know, the the people, uh, deceased people who are understood to be in heaven. And then there's All Souls Day, which is a Catholic feast today on the 2nd of November, which is associated, again, with the the dead in general, but also, well, it's more specifically to do with the souls that are in purgatory so purgatory is like a an in-between place and um, it's not heaven but it's not hell you know it's, it's where the souls go to be cleansed before going on hopefully going on to heaven and the prayers from the people help the souls to be cleansed so you have both of those days being connected with uh with the dead and then halloween comes from the day before all saints day is called um, or it used to be called Holy Evening or Hallow's Eve, and then mm-hmm. people would say All Hallow's Evening, and eventually it became Hallow's Evening or Halloween. So that's why you still you still see the the spelling of Halloween with the apostrophe between the e the two e's because it represents the word evening. Mm-hmm. So that's that's coming from the Catholic, but it's it's in the context of these Celtic regions that already have this this festival. To do with honouring the dead and remembering the dead, so you get things being mixed mixed together, like lighting candles uh, to remember the dead, and um, you know things that kind of merge together.
0: Um, Dr. Butler, you mentioned that uh, you you pr- that uh, that people pray. Um, um, who is it that they're praying to, and well, what is for, it that they pray for? I mean, you okay, mentioned cleansing. So for, you mentioned cleansing of of the soul, but who is it that they're praying to and in what form are they praying
7: i didn't mean to speak over you there i think there's a slight uh, delay on the line so um, i think it's uh the the praying the praying for the dead on the first and second of november this is coming from the catholic the catholic tradition so they're praying um they're praying for the souls of the dead if there are recently deceased people in purgatory
0: but but they pr- um, what i mean is they're praying to god or they're praying to a deity. What? Who is? who oh, that, that's what I yeah. kind of wanted to know.
7: So, for for Catholics, they're praying to God, and also uh, it's part of Catholic tradition to to pray uh, also to the Virgin Mary. Um, uh, you know, to say the Rosary, and also there's prayers to saints. So there's a lot of folk prayers, and um, that would maybe not be said in the church, but there's there's a whole tradition of asking saints. Uh, as you know intercessors or intermediaries between God and the people, this is part of Catholic tradition um but it's it's very much focused on praying to to help the souls of the dead and also to remember the dead. so lighting a candle um for Catholics is is a way of remembering uh, somebody on their, on the anniversary of their death so that's it's part of praying for them to remember them.
0: But but what about the people who are not Christians? Who are they praying to?
7: So there's, um, if we can think of the, you know, the history of the festival has mixed together so-called pagan elements with the Christian and then later in time the Catholic specifically. And then in modern times there's also contemporary pagans. So people uh, in the modern day who would be, for example, Druids um, who would... uh, do do rituals at this time of year to remember the dead as well, so they would be um, maybe communicating with the, the spirits of the dead, or they may be um, uh, venerating a deity or um, the fairies, spiritual beings connected with the landscape are also quite significant, but that would be for modern day pagans, so this is a another another movement, uh, another religious. And
0: cultural movements. So, so, um, the, so, so, that so the be- narrative of of so many people with, because I know that there's a lot of people who kind of um, um, look towards different deities, um, uh, um, to to, um, to kind of using your words, that they, they put people look to cleanse um, their souls or or to make themselves better people, but that is a, a new religion, isn't it? That's not, which is different from the ancient religion, which is, which is, kind of. Before Abrahamic religions came,
7: yes. So we have the the things that have likely, very likely, continued on from pre pre-Christian times. Um, some ritual aspects and some some different traditions, and then you have the whole Christian uh, influence of, I think, cleansing. Cl- the idea even of cleansing the soul is quite a Christian hmm. concept, and doing penance specifically with Catholic. Catholic ritual, you know, ridding yourself of sin, which is very much part of Catholic uh, ritual and, and way of thinking. Um, and then you have uh, modern day movements, which might, you know, they're categorized as new new religious movements, who would be looking back before, before Christianity and trying to um, use information about the, those Celtic peoples or pre-Celtic peoples uh, for in- inspiration really, for um, a recreation of those kinds of ways of communicating with the spiritual world in in the present day.
0: My, my question is: these recreations, I, I, who are they? Is it is it a, a one God that or, uh, that that one prays to or looks to, or is it the different deities that they look at?
7: It's um well it's it's going back before before the Abrahamic religion so it's going back. Polytheistic, or many different gods and goddesses,
0: and and that's the um, same narrative that they have with this new religion. But they use the old belief as a uh, as a as a foundation.
7: Uh, yes, as a foundation. Some some people would um, some pagan practitioners would see it as a continuation or a, a spiritual continuation right through time. You know that
8: mm-hmm. uh,
7: the veneration of the these old gods never really went away, Um and it's. It's, you know, there's a lot connected with Halloween to do with the devil and the evil spirits, these kind of ideas. But for pagans, they're, they're, it's it's going back before Christianity. So it's before these ideas, these, you know, uh, ideas about the devil or Satan or um, demonic, you know, even ideas of evil. These are, these are part of monotheistic religions, the Abrahamic.
0: Finally, Dr. Butler, has Alu, has Halloween kind of stuck around in the in the true essence of what it was or, or the purpose of it compared to what it is today bearing in mind um the tragedy that we've, we've we we are kind of witnessing in in um, in uh, uh, in South Korea I mean these people are out celebrating Halloween there is no connection there is there
7: um, or is well, there a connection? That- that was just so tragic and sad, what happened in South Korea. Um, of course, they were out celebrating Halloween, which isn't, it's not a native festival there. Um, but for the, the Celtic regions, um, like Ireland, for example, there is still some connection uh, to to the, the land um, and to these spiritual concepts, even though the traditions have changed a lot, you know, traditions are always changing. But there is, you know, um, there is a, a general awareness that this is something to do with remembering the dead um, and having, uh, you know, there's a lot of traditional games and things to do with the the fruits and nuts associated with this time of year and this, this kind of um, thing. So, you know, it's very much embedded in the, the seasonal cycle and um, remembering the dead. So I think... I think that's still there the different layers of it that we can we can identify you know uh celtic and christian and catholic and um for for modern pagans as well there's some some strand uh or some meaningful connection that is still there i think uh between now and ancient times
0: wonderful dr jenny butler thank you so much for taking time out for the drive time show this afternoon Thank you for your insight into the topic that we are discussing. I wish you a fantastic evening ahead. May peace be with you.
7: May peace be with you also. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you. Let's go straight to our next guest um, for the afternoon. We have with us no stranger to drive time. Uh, we have with us um, Imam Mahmoud Qasar, who is an imam of the Amdi Muslim community, who's based in Los Angeles, United States of America. Good afternoon. Welcome. Assam alaikum. And peace be on you, Imam.
9: Wa as-salam, and peace be upon you as well. <laughs> Thank good you so to, much. Good to I have you. I thought you were going to say New York by <laughs>
0: No, 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 no. We, I, I was corrected a couple of days ago <laughs> by <laughs> Imam Raza saying he's no, he's he's changed time zones.
9: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> so
0: good to have you with us, Imam Qasir. Thank you for Thank taking you so time much. out. I know it's it's an unsociable hour for you.
9: But yeah no it's been a while I was waiting for you to invite me again but anyway, I'm
0: glad you finally did <laughs> No no it's it's a pleasure to have you Um Imam Gosser, we of course Halloween um something we talk about every year um and when I was talking to Jen, Dr Dr Butler earlier I mean she kind of emphasized that the, 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 this idea that you know believers in act- Halloween true believers in Halloween are pre uh abrahamic religions they you know what we call today mythology um in, in the olden days or the ancient days there were um my understanding that the 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 understanding is that there were uh, numbers of gods or deities that people kind of looked towards um in in this respect of halloween is is from an islamic perspective or just from a general perspective doesn't isn't that associating partners with god because god has always been there hasn't it isn't isn't that would be would that not from our perspective be kind of we've created these gods
9: right right so interesting point is that in islam and i think in every culture and every society nowadays a lot of folks a lot of societies are questioning what celebrations they have and the way they question them is they go back to the roots, right? Why, You know, why does America still celebrate Columbus Day? You know, these are debates that they're having now. And the only reason those debates are coming up is because they're looking at the origin, right, the origin story. And so in the same scenario, when we look at Halloween, as a Muslim, um, typically with my kids, I'm going to look at the origin story as well, whether or not, you know, what it has created become now is irrespective of what the origin story is. It's important to look at where the roots are. And so as you were mentioning, the roots are very much so with this concept of creating gods, uh, this concept of creating this fear, creating goblins and vampires, and you name it. All of these things have been created over time. And so it's very counter-intuitive um, for a religious person, right, um, to take this as just simply fun and games. It has uh, direct meanings, when, especially in its origin story. And so like you said, in Islam, there's a concept called shirk, mm-hmm. which is associating partners with God, and what's interesting about that is that in Islam, there's actually two kinds of ways to define shirk. One is an obvious way, right, which is you see an idol and you start worshipping it. You know, you see a deity or you create a spirit of so- of sorts, a vampire, whatever it is, and you mm-hmm. create that as if it has a godlike attributes. But the other part of it is where it's kind of subtle, it's more indirect, where you and I even fall prey to this kind of shirk, which is, that, you know, we rely on certain things or we love certain things so much, whether it's our job, or it's our car. You know, we, somebody buys a nice new, you know, Audi and they love it so much that they're relying so much on it. I don't know why I said Audi. In America, they're, they're rare. <laughs> for you guys, they're probably a diamond does dozen. But, <laughs> but nonetheless, that love for things sometimes gets so excessive. Right? Mm-hmm. that it becomes like shirk, it becomes like associating partners with Allah. And a lot of folks have it, they have love for food or love for other things, and then they forget about God. But mm-hmm. here there's also another element, where you fear something so much, equivalent to the fear you should have for God. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where the subtle subtleties of Halloween come in, where there is an element of fear that they induce in society, that you should be afraid of X, Y, and Z, or X, Y, and Z, or an X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And as a result, you know, people start to get afraid of goblins and ghosts and vampires and, you know, so many different things. I I remember just uh, last year, my daughter just turned two. She barely started speaking. Mm-hmm. And because of the TV shows that, you know, our kids are watching – that she her first couple of words were vampire and goblin. It was Halloween. I said, "Oh, come on, Lord, <laughs> this is not good at all." So we had to go back and correct all those words. You know, mm-hmm. um, but that's what I'm saying. That that at the end of the day, in Islam, we're very clear about the existence of God mm-hmm. and God's role in our lives, and making sure that we keep everything clear from any association with partners with God Almighty in any which way.
2: Yeah. So Imam Muhammad, um, previously Dr. Jenny Butler mentioned that, you know, um, they they celebrate Halloween because, you know, they pray for their souls and pray for the spirits. What is Islamic stance on that and the souls that have departed?
0: Especially Dr. Janine. I mean, the, the concept of Halloween being that, you know, they, they meet in this kind of mm-hmm. mid-ground, um, you right. know, uh, um, you know th- almost like not- they're stuck
9: between uh, exactly. this world and the next that's right? it
0: that's it yeah
9: so it's interesting because in islam first of all we we welcome the concept of death we don't fear it yep for the simple reason that this next life is the life to come it's the life of eternity it's a life when you are you know said to be close and you know in divine you know in a, in a divine state you know so to speak um so in that in that sense in islam There is no fear of death unless you have a a direct connection with the world and you don't want to separate from the riches of this world, right? Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you understand that this next life will give you that solace and that peace, um, again, if you pursue it in this life. So Mm -hmm. second thing is that life after death is a reality. It exists in Islam. We believe it. And we actually believe that that life after death can start here. We can start having heaven here in this very life. You know, there's a verse in the Holy Quran that if you are blind in this life, you'll be blind in the next life. And what God Almighty implies by that is not the physical blindness that you and I may have um, or color blindness or whatever it is. It's actually the spiritual blindness. Mm -hmm. Many people think that once I die, I'll see God. Mm -hmm. But in fact, in Islam, we are encouraged to see God here and now and make that effort to connect with God Almighty, become that, that, that person who is close to God. Now, the reason I'm mentioning any of these layers is because in Islam, it's very clear that once you depart, your soul separates from your body and you have now gone into another uh, in another place mm-hmm. and Anybody who does linger and it's only temporary and it's not like you can communicate with such a person, but they're lingering because of their attachment to the world, not because they are holy soul you know souls that are going on to the world they decide they're going to come back on the earth and 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 or get some revenge, you know whatever those stories are mm-hmm. that you know so and so took took something from me. I'm gonna go and take it back, and <laughs> so many other instances that we we talk mm-hmm. about, and these are all because of misinformation about what the reality of this life is. This is a temporary life. We are like tourists, you know. We're just passing by. We're sitting under a shade of a tree, and we're gonna pass by to the next life. Mm-hmm. And so that's really the concept that exists now. On top of all of that, this idea that they linger in between it does not exist in Islam. Nobody's lingering. There's no communication. Once you have separated from your body, you are headed to the next life. But there is going to be a day of judgment, a mm-hmm. day when God Almighty will stand you know, before everybody and, and make that, that, that judgment. And what's interesting about that, again, in Islam is that he is called not the judge, but the master of that day.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
9: which means that he will then decree as people are, you know, based on their circumstances. So this idea that somebody did one wrong and he's going to be lingering in the world because he can't get to the next life or somehow he can't enter heaven and he can't enter hell, he's just cursed. All of that stuff doesn't exist when you understand that God himself is a master and he can see even an iota of goodness and decide that such a person is going to go to heaven.
2: Mm-hmm. So Imam um, Mahmoud, having the you know the sad incident which happened in uh, in South Korea, is Halloween just a harmless fun? Uh, or, uh, and how is Halloween celebrating um, like affecting the society in any way?
9: So I would separate this with two different things. What had happened in, in Korea is, is very tragic, mm-hmm. and it could happen at any celebration. It doesn't have to be Halloween. It could have been right. really anything. Uh, mm-hmm. It could have been Eid as well, you know, mm-hmm. if they had celebrated. And, and for whatever reason, the protocols and whatever that was, for whatever reason, they, that tragedy could have happened, and it's very sad, and we, mm-hmm. we you know, are... Our hearts are out there for all of those families who are suffering, and we pray for them as well. Um, and so that's why I won't necessarily say that that is directly linked to anything celebrating in you know with regards mm-hmm. to Halloween. Okay. But on the other side of it, you know when we look at Halloween in general, irrespective of any one event, we find that there are some elements there. um and and every celebration has various elements. You know, we have Martin Luther King Jr. Day, you know in America. We have uh, Juneteenth that has recently started. There's so many different celebrations. And so we even have Thanksgiving in America, for example. And uh, you know, that even transcends other, city, you know, other countries as well. And what we've noticed is that in Islam, it's very key to look at what are the origins and what is really the benefit of that particular holiday. Does that holiday bring about an upliftment of society? You know, what does it do? And so when you look at Halloween objectively, just sitting back and just observing it, mm-hmm. you find that it has certain elements that are actually... Uh, Counter progressive for a society, you know, the elements of imitation. For example, people are encouraged to dress like certain other people that mm-hmm. they look up to, aspire to, or fear, or whatever that is. And so, this idea of imitation, as we know, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, sallallahu on whom be peace, had very clearly said that if you imitate certain people, you're trying to become like those people, but you're actually falling prey to inferiority complex, right? You're right. feeling that you don't have enough in yourself mm-hmm. or in your own society. Uh, to progress a certain way, so all of those elements are there in one aspect. Mm-hmm. Other aspects is it encourages mischief, right? I know when in America, especially you know, egging people's homes and <laughs> and you name it, you know, throwing toilet paper on folks' homes or mm-hmm. ringing the doorbell and running to the next one, or and then things, some things get even more sinister and even more malicious, and people are now putting you know the wrong kind of candy inside or you know things like that. So this idea of allowing society to have a free reign to just go and prank and harass whoever you want to and you're okay to do that again that doesn't sound like the best kind of you know way to channel our frustration or or anything for that matter and then the third aspect is with children which is we are encouraging them to beg and i know that some people feel this is a far-fetched idea but it's a reality you're going home to home you can say trick or treat or you can say anything give me candy whatever you want to call it but at the end of the day you are encouraging people to go door to door and ask Mm -hmm. and and at the you know at the at the will of whatever that family is or that person, they can give you popcorn, they can give you candy, <laughs> they can give you nothing. They can tell you to go away. Right. Um, and, so, and so all of these elements are there, and I would say if we just objectively look at them in terms of, and I'm not even t- counting all the partying and the, you know, all the other stuff that goes along with it just in the name of Halloween. I'm just talking about some of the basic principles that exist with Halloween as a society. And you'll notice that uh, they're not the best Elements to <laughs> induce into a society. I mean, it's
0: commercial, politics. isn't it? I mean, it's all about money. So that was now.
9: the element. That's what I was about to say. That That's not only Halloween, but yes, Halloween is this multi-million dollar, billion dollar uh, enterprise. And hmm. so that's why there's certain colors that are used. Everything's very marketed, you know. There's certain colors you'll see. Every store will have certain things. Um, no matter where you go, like you said, it's about getting your houses decorated, buying all that chocolate, whatever
0: that is. Now, now you mentioned earlier, you know, th- the mindset of children. And, and we, you know, globally, we are going through uh, um, a cost of living crisis. You know, we are going and we're right. beginning to see a cost of living crisis where it's becoming harder and harder for families to kind of keep up to date with all the the commercial um, elements mm-hmm. of all of these celebrations. Um, and of course, One of the greatest damages that is done within society is to the shaping of young children, the mindset of of children. I mean, you already mentioned, even personally, you had to because of because of because it being it's everywhere. You know, you name it is there. How does how do we shape our children? They don't. They don't get affected by you know. The, the 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 damage being done by such uh, such days
9: It it is it is very difficult and i guess it depends on each person and how to what extent they want to uh, to do that for example my daughter had a halloween party at school today
4: mm-hmm.
9: and so we politely spoke to the teacher saying you can have your party but we enforce you know we won't be ha- sending our daughter to school today mm. and and they were okay with that but you you and i know that for this last whole week and a half the entire classroom was decorated that's <laughs> right? right yep there was you know postcards, you name it everything was there so then we had to have a heart-to-heart conversation with our daughter and explain it to her she's six and a half years old but it's a necessary step in making sure that our kids understand where we stand and I actually noticed that it actually gives them confidence when they know that they have their own identity they are muslim they celebrate something else and now that we moved to los angeles you see muslims far rarer than you would in the east coast or in in europe and so whenever my daughter sees another uh, lady wearing a hijab, she gets so excited. Like, <laughs> oh my God, there's a Muslim, like, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And so, But these are part of the elements of, I think, how to save your children, is give them that identity. Like, you know, make them proud of the identity that they have. And then explain to them why we celebrate certain things and why we don't. You know, why is it on Eid we're actually giving gifts? We're not sitting there receiving or begging, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are those elements that exist in our different celebrations? And also, I think the last thing is, And I know this. growing up, my parents and my grandparents and so many others, my uncles and aunties, would enjoy the celebration of Eid. But since we've been here in America, I remember growing up, it wasn't as exciting as they used to make it sound like. Mm -hmm. So I've made an effort that, you know, let's make Eid exciting for my kids. Make it something they look forward to, you know. That's that's actually a a
0: responsibility on on being part and parcel of being parents, Uh, isn't it?
9: correct absolutely absolutely absolutely.
0: now the the the, split, the 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 flip side of what i was talking about yes you mentioned the celebration and 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 but the extravagance on these days is also a a um, a very important part um, that that one needs to kind of challenge isn't it
9: absolutely so you're right that's the other extreme and so that's that's actually where the marketing, you know, moguls are, are most adamant in making sure they do is get everybody extravagant, right, and yep. get everybody to compete make sure one house has certain decorations, get the next house, you know <laughs> make sure he's competing with him, you know and then same with, you know, what kind of chocolates you have and how many you have and how big the celebration is it happens with weddings, it happens with every celebration but you're right, 110% and that's the beauty of Islam, it constantly encourages simplicity
4: mm-hmm. and a
9: lot of Muslims will sometimes fight back, you know, push back against that particular injunction and saying, no, 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 we want to have our wedding with 600 people and we want to have this much food and this, this is, but they don't understand the wisdom behind that simplicity. The simplicity allows you to avoid extravagance, wasting money in unnecessary places. When you walk away from half of these celebrations, people have debt that they have to cover for year or years to come just to cover for one big, you know, uh, celebration that really just stroked their own ego and nothing much uh, beyond that. And so again, it goes back to this idea that re- understanding our goal in life, connecting with God Almighty, and understanding that simplicity is actually in our own benefit and not in the benefit of these big corporations and these companies.
0: Wonderful. Imam Mahmoud Khosr, as always, Thank you so much, brother, for taking time out for us on The Drive Time Show. Next time, I'll come back with a better joke for you on a better day. And, uh, please <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll be
9: waiting for one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Please remember us in your prayers. Thank you so much. Always, always. Peace Thank be you on you, brother. As-salamu, As-salamu
9: you.
0: And that was um, Imam Mahmoud Qasr, who is an imam of the Amni Muslim community. Imam Qasr kind of beautifully explained why Islam mm-hmm. um, um, is, is against such... Uh, uh, such days, but as our uh, our guest, Doctor Butler, also talked about that these uh, practices were from pre-Abrahamic uh, religions. Right. So it's it's actually um, Bible and in in and Jesus, uh, peace be on him, also. Um, have uh, spoken against such t- traditions, haven't they, and oth- and other religions as well.
2: Absolutely. Actually, these all of these, you know, traditions and festivals get, uh, go against Christianity and the very basic core of, you know, Christianity.
0: Most definitely, um, we are producers. Mm-hmm. Kind of uh, um, asked this question to um, some people. So let's go and listen to some brief audios as to what people. Um, said, why um, don't we celebrate?
4: Right. Halloween includes shake because its basic concept is that on the thirty-first of October, the boundaries between the living and the dead are removed, and the dead come back to cause harm to the living in order to in order to avoid being. Harmed about which many nonsensical things are said. So-called magicians are called in who take animals and crops from people and sacrifice them in a specific way. And children go to people's houses and knock on their doors for for candy. So then the people give the candy in order to not get harmed. That's. I think Halloween is based on false stories. It is a pagan holiday. Pagan believes that on Halloween night. The barrier between dead and alive is removed and dead soul can come to this world. We as a Muslim believe that no one can return after death and is proved by Holy Quran. In chapter 21 verse 96, Allah Almighty has said, And it is inviolable law for a township which we have destroyed that they shall not return. So it's our belief that these dead souls, ghosts, witches and vampires doesn't exist. It's like When I was younger, I used to think Halloween was a fun thing by going out and getting sweets from other people. But when I got older, I realised that Halloween is forbidden in Islam and as Muslims, we should never celebrate Halloween
8: my opinion about Halloween costumes and the pressure that parents have uh, from their children regarding how, to spend, how much to spend for the Halloween costumes. Um, I personally would think rather than going out there and purchasing Halloween costumes which would be costing a lot of money um, make them at home. comes up much cheaper um, and you could actually get your children to help you make the Halloween costumes. A, it's cheaper, B, it's fun, and they'll got memories that you yeah, Parents and children getting together, spending time together, making Halloween costumes. Everyone's
5: happy, and um, less the money. Parents are under tremendous stress to make Halloween day or party look good. Of course, the Halloween decorations and costumes are getting more and more expensive each year. Um, I now buy the Halloween stuff in the sales and use it the following year. These days, I get the children to carve the pumpkin and make it fun and enjoyable at the same time. Often, (laughs) I do think it's the parents who enjoy Halloween more so than the children as well. My children have always looked forward to Halloween every year as they like to dress up and go trick-or-treating with their friends. They always want a new costume every year as their friends have new ones every year. We feel a little pressure as we don't want them to be left out. But with everything being so expensive these days, we have to think twice before we buy anything.
7: Due to cost of living crisis, you have to think twice as a parent when it comes to children asking for costumes for decorations they want to arrange Halloween parties um, they want to go out with their friends with the trick and treats and I believe many parents at the moment are in a situation where they have to uh, go for the cheapest option available so they can fulfill their demands they they can make them happy but that's not too much on their pocket as well
4: it's not at Day. It is a season when there is scary things happening in the with scary costumes and makeup. Dead people come out of the
1: grave and people are zombies.
6: Halloween is a fun day to celebrate as we go trick-or-treating every year. This is enjoyable as our street is well decorated for the holiday. Whereas it's very hard to choose a costume as there is such a variety in the shop
5: to choose from. A bonus is that I get to scare my siblings with a scary mask.
0: And there we had some beautiful young children <laughs> telling us why we shouldn't be celebrating Halloween as as part and parcel of our religion is not to associate partners with God. We are coming up to the hour. I need to thank all of our guests for taking time out and uh, coming on to the show. Thank you to our producers, Nuru Subha and Sophia Amir. Uh, for uh, today's shows thank you to brother Imran thank you to uh, Imam Safir thank you to um, brother Habib in tech Uh, please forgive any shortcomings on our part please remember us in your prayers until next time may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all